ruler of all, beautiful Savior, we come with grateful hearts today. A simple look around reminds us that we are surrounded by beauty today. The beauty of light coming through glass. The beauty of songs lifted by grateful hearts through beautiful voices. Beautiful instruments, Lord. A beautiful room. And you are the creator of all beauty. And so we bow our lives before you and give you thanks. And acknowledge, Lord, that you have created beauty and Though there is much in our world that is not beautiful, all that you have created is good. So help us, I pray, Lord, to recognize in the uh, aftermath of storms and challenges and difficulties in our world that you are still on your throne, that you are still the ruler, and that we can take refuge in you. You, O Lord, are our refuge. By your mercy you cover us. And in the shadow of your wings, we will forevermore remain. You are forevermore the same. You are our refuge. Our only refuge. And we run to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody has quipped that the church is a non Profit organization and profit is spelled P R O P H E T. There are fewer profits than there used to be, and in truth, we may say we want profits, but in fact, when profits come, we are not always enamored of what we hear coming from their mouths. Profits can be remarkably untimely in their words as far as we see it. Will Willimon tells about getting on the plane one day, a pastor had his Bible with him and uh, opened it to read while on the plane. And the man next to him took note of that and said, I perceive that you're a pastor. And the preacher said, yes, I am. And he said, oh, that's interesting. He said, well, what do you do? He said, well, I'm an astronomer. He said, oh, that's great. And he continued reading in the scripture. And the man said, you know, I'm not very religious and I don't believe in God. But wouldn't you say, pastor, that you can summarize the good religion in our world with a simple statement that we ought to try to do right and help other people. And this pastor who would have preferred to be a shepherd in that moment felt a bit prophetic and he said, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I'm not an astronomer and I really haven't studied the teachings of astronomy, but wouldn't you say that we could summarize all the astronomy in the world with the simple statement, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. I wonder if our country really wants a prophet God wanted Isaiah to be a prophet, but I'm not sure after he spoke anybody else wanted him to be one. Would you open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 6? We're going to start with verse 8 today. You know verses 1 to 7. And I would surmise that you know verse 8, but I wonder if you've spent any time considering verses 9 to 13. They challenge us and convict us. Let's stand together as we read God's Word and reverence For our God and His Word, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, or verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. 
And he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken and though a tenth remains in the land it will again be laid waste but as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down so the holy seed will be the stump in the land you may be seated We remember from our study that the Lord came to the temple and confronted Isaiah and God came to Isaiah in all of Isaiah's pain at losing the good king Uzziah and in all of his power and majesty with great gravitas God revealed his glory and Isaiah knew in that moment that he was going to die. He said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, but God had an answer even for Isaiah's sin. And so God sent the angel with tongs to take a coal and to cauterize his lips so that his lips might be healed of their unclean words and so that he might see that his guilt was gone and his sin had been atoned for. And note that it was then, for the first time, that Isaiah, who had seen God and heard the angels, first discerned the voice of God. May I say that we are in no way prepared to hear from God until our eyes have seen Him and trembling we have come to the place that we recognize He is our only source of forgiveness and grace. And when Isaiah saw Him and heard His voice, he realized that God was looking for somebody, that God wanted to send somebody, that somebody needed to go. And quickly he volunteered. He was willing to go. Here am I, Lord, send me. It is a great passage for missions. We have heard it. I have preached it. And I have always, whenever I've preached Isaiah chapter 6, stopped with verse 8. But this time, as I read it, I realized that maybe verses 9 to 13 have a word for us that we need to hear. That in fact, everybody doesn't always end up happily ever after when one person decides to obey God. When Isaiah became a prophet, not everybody wanted to hear. The good news was he got to speak for God. The bad news was not everybody wanted to hear from God. The good news was God gave him a mission and a message. The bad news was that sometimes the people would close their ears and cover them with their hands and close their eyes and harden their hearts and God said I am sending you even though I know not everybody wants to hear what we have to say and Isaiah asked honestly what we might ask how long is this assignment going to last how long do I have to do this and God said until the work is complete but he gives him a sign of hope Remarkably, in the form of a stump and the promise of a holy seed in the land. And where there is seed, there is the chance that that seed might spring forth 
into life. And that even though 90%, if you follow the math, didn't want to hear, there would be 10% who would. I might say to you this morning that Isaiah's day was not so different from our own. I love the statistics and surveys that say 97% of Americans believe in God. But when I look at our country and our world, I wonder how sincere that belief really is or exactly which God people are claiming to believe in. And I hear the words that Isaiah spoke and I see his message and I see so many turn away from him. But there were some like Hezekiah who turned from their ways and chose to follow God and were given an opportunity to live. And I wonder if you and I, if God spoke to us today, if you could just imagine it this way, if you took all that is valuable to you, your family, your friends, your resources, your time, your energy, and your talents, and you could put them all in an account. And I said to you, just write a blank check from that account and hand it to God. How many of us would say yes to God, not knowing what He was going to ask us to do. And until we say yes without knowing what God is asking, before He even tells us, until we answer before we even ascertain what the task will be, we are in no way prepared to be spokespersons for God. We must first say yes and then find what He wants us to do. So we answer yes to God. We answer in the affirmative when He calls because God still summons people to do His work in the world. It's, it's there in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says God is working all things together for good. For whom? For everybody? No, that's not what it says. But for those who love God. Is that us? Do we love God? To those who are called according to His purpose. God is working all things together for good for those people who are willing. This is God's summons. It's why John Piper in his book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals, said, God is not like Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam will only call for your help if you are healthy. God will only call for your help if you are sick. He had to cauterize Isaiah's lips. God's summons in this world is not a help wanted. It's not as though you and I can walk out and say, I'm going to do great things for God. No, it's really more like a help available ad. God is saying, not go do something great for me, but would you allow me to do something great through you? And would we answer yes to a summons like that? If God said, I need you, would we would we go and would we speak for Him? Because we need to hear from God. We need a, a word from you, Andre Crouch used to sing. If we don't hear from you, God, what will we do? Needing you more each day. Show us your perfect way. There is no other way that we can live. God invites us. He summons us. And I notice that Isaiah surrendered unconditionally. It's not in vogue these days in the seminaries to talk about surrendering to preach, surrendering to the call. But what else can we say? If God summons, we must surrender and say yes to God. And what is it to say yes to God? It is to acknowledge that God has a higher and better use for our lives than we can possibly imagine. So God summons and we 
surrender and we say yes. Charles Redmond tells of preaching in a a congregation. It was a little bit out of uh, step for him. The congregation was very um, participative. They responded. Everything the preachers before him said, he was the last preacher. It's hard to be the last preacher, by the way. Most everything had already been said. He was wondering what he was going to say. And perhaps the pastor of the church anticipated his concern and walked to the microphone. And before he introduced Charles Redmond, he just looked at his congregation and said, yes. And they said, yes. And he said, yes. And they said, yes. And he said, yes. And they said, yes. And he sang, yes. And they sang, yes. And for 10 minutes, he led them in a chorus of yes. And then he prayed, and Charles Redmond understood why when he said, Oh God, we have given you the answer. Now would you tell us what you want us to do? It's not hard to preach after that. After everybody has already guaranteed yes to God, it's not hard to preach after that. And Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. Why does he say yes to God? I'll tell you, because just moments before, he thought he was a dead man. When he looked up and saw God, he thought he was going to die. He wasn't playing games when he said, I am ruined, I am lost, I am undone, I am disintegrating, and I am coming apart at the seams. And somehow God let him survive that experience. And afterward, anything God ever wanted from his life was fully available. And could we ponder for a moment what God has done for us in Jesus Christ? Hasn't He given us life? Hasn't He given us abundant life? Hasn't He given us eternal life? And what would ever make us think that life as a gift from God would ever belong to us? We are Yours, Lord. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Not with perishable things like silver and gold or stocks and bonds, but with the precious blood of God's only Son. And so we belong to Him. We answer in the affirmative to God. And then we ascertain what He wants us to do. The good news is we get to speak for God. The bad news is not everybody wants to hear from Him. The good news is God is for us. The bad news is not everybody is for God. You've surely noticed that in our world. Not everybody is attuned to God. And so he says, many will reject your message. I don't know how else to read these verses when he says that that you're to say to them, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but not, not perceiving. And we may look at that and say, you know what, maybe God doesn't want to heal people, but that's not the point. In fact, God does want to heal. If my people... Is that you? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's God's promise to Solomon when they opened the temple. God said, I want to hear and I want to forgive and I want to heal. This is God's heart. But Jesus took this same passage in Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15 and said to the people to whom he'd been speaking a parable, not I have closed your eyes, but you have chosen to close your own eyes, and that's why you can't see. It's like H.G. Wells' story called The Country of the Blind, the little short story about the man who was walking in Ecuador and falls off a cliff and finds himself in a lush valley where nobody can see. For 15 generations, nobody has had sight, and they've forgotten what sight is like. And this man who can see tries to explain to them what it's like to see, but they think he's crazy. And he falls in love with a young woman. And the father says, you can only marry my daughter if you will choose to become blind like us. 
In fact, the, the father, Yaakov, goes to the doctor and says, isn't he crazy? And the doctor says, he's crazy. But if we would just take away his sight, then, then he would be like us and he would be sane. And Yaakov said, thank heavens for science. I'm so glad that something can be done for this young man so he won't be insane. And while the young man is waiting to lose his sight as he is thinking, I will just walk one time through the white narcissus on the mountaintop and enjoy the beauty one last time, he saw something. He saw morning like a golden armored angel descending the steeps. He saw morning and he turned and walked away from the country of the blind. And we live in the country of the blind. Jesus said people prefer darkness over light. They would rather not see. Why? Because their deeds are dark. Because they've chosen to sin. And this is, this is the reason. As that great theologian Kenny Rogers used to sing, there's no one blinder than he who just won't see. But God wants people to see. Sometimes they choose not to. But God calls us to speak anyway. To speak a word for Him. To tell them the truth. In a world that's not much interested in the truth. We must speak the truth. Somebody gave me a card of a, a gentleman, a pastor in our city. Right after Hurricane Ike, he and his congregation were doing some good to help people. And encountered one of our members. And brought his, they brought his card to me. And you know what it said? Making it hard to get to hell from Houston, Texas. I thought, here's a guy who's got a sense of purpose. That's why we're here. We're making it hard. Look, it's not easy to convince people to follow God, but what, what Isaiah was hearing from God is, you need to make it harder for them. They may turn away, but there is good news. Some will hear. Some will listen. Some will turn. And for their sake, for the holy seed in the land, you must speak for their sake. If I could be confessional with you, I have to say to you, there is much that disturbs us, not just storms and the stock market, but just the general spiritual malaise in our country. When I look and I read about, uh, about innocent uh, children being killed before they're born, when I hear about states where that people of the same sex can be married, when I hear these kinds of things, I, I look at that like you, and these things are perplexing and bothersome to me, but I think it goes deeper. I think it runs across political lines. I think it runs across denominational lines. I think it cuts through the heart of every human being. There is a, a sense of evil within us. And, and maybe, maybe, I thought this week as I pondered, maybe we would be content if somehow the, the stock market would uh, return to its former glory. We would be content if, if oil would go back up again. If all these things, we would sort of be ready to just go on with our lives. But maybe through the storms and the stocks, God is saying something to us. Maybe God is trying to teach us in this time. And I wonder what, what God would say to us if He could speak right into our hearts today. And I pondered a, a school that I was a part of earlier this month. I went to a breakfast that they sponsored. It's a Christian school in the middle of the third ward. And the children who go there come from families with an average income of $7,000 a year. They would have to multiply that by four to come up to what the government calls low income. And they feed those children. Sometimes the children come with no shoes on and they give them shoes and uniforms and, and they, they feed them breakfast and lunch. And when the hurricane came and the school was shut down, Unlike many children in our city, unlike maybe our kids who said, I'll be on break as long as they let me be on break. These children showed up the first day 
because they were hungry for something to eat. This is our city. This is the world we live in. We're talking about uh, uh, worship and action, going to Kenya to an orphanage where the children's parents have died of AIDS. We hear about Sudan and Burma where oppressive governments are denying freedom to the people and literally committing genocide and taking people's lives. And in this world, I would believe that God would not want us to simply say, as long as I'm comfortable, I'm not worried about the rest of the world. So I invite you to listen closely for the voice of God who speaks to us in these days because God is waiting for His people to say yes to Him, to respond to the needs in our world, to to proclaim uh, recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim liberty to the captives as Jesus, to, to walk among the poor and the hungry and the tired and the weary and to offer light in a dark world. And not only is God waiting for us to say yes, but if you'll receive it, the world is waiting. That's why Paul said to the church at Rome, all of creation is groaning, waiting for the day of redemption. And many may be wondering if today is that day. My friend Dave Peterson, who preaches just down the road, who serves the same king I serve, the king who filled up the temple with his glory for Isaiah. My friend Dave Peterson says his congregation went two weeks without electrical power. We take a lot of things for granted, don't we? But for two weeks, he said the irony was that all the electricians and the electrical trucks and the power trucks staged from their parking lot. So every day he would go to work and see them there with no electricity, with no air conditioning. And all the trucks were out there. And he said, finally, I just started going out and talking to them and taking them a cup of coffee and just saying, how are you? And just visiting with them. And he said, I was waiting for one of them to bring the power to our church or to his neighborhood, which also went a long time without power. Maybe you went a long time as well. We went for 12 days, I think. But we all went through a period of difficulty. And he said, one day his daughter was at home and she called him and she said, Dad, the, the power trucks are in our neighborhood. That was always a great moment, wasn't it, when they showed up. And Dave, who said, I had a lot to do that day. I had nothing more important than getting in my car and driving to my neighborhood. I just wanted to hail the conquerors as they came into our gates. And they were already gone when I got there, he said. Apparently just uh, estimating what the level of damage was. They had already left he said, I came to the place, whenever I saw an electrical truck, I wanted to ask them, like, like John the Baptist asked Jesus, are you the one or shall we wait for another? <laughs> and then he said, I realized that in this dark world, you and I who have been given light, who have been told by Jesus, you are the light of the world. We may rather look to this darkened world like the electrical trucks coming through the neighborhood with the answer of light. And I wonder when you encounter somebody this week, if they will look at you and in their hearts wonder, are you the one? Or do we wait for another? God is waiting for His people to say yes to Him. The world is waiting for His people to say yes. And as long as there is a seed, there is hope. And you, Tallowood, are that seed. Be planted in this community. Give your life fully to the work of the Lord and watch what He does through us as we simply say yes to Him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for the gift of eternal life. Thank You for the privilege of serving You and following You. Today, if we hear Your voice, 
Do not let us harden our hearts. Jesus came so that the blind might see and those who refuse to see might remain blind. Father, let that not be us today. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch Him and say that we love Him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.